Father God, thank you so much for uh, just being here. I just, I, I really look forward to these days, and I know these ladies do as well. Um, I thank you just for this opportunity to come and glean wisdom from those that are walking the path with us and those that are, are a little bit further down the road. And so we thank you for that, and we pray that our eyes and our ears would be open to hear your truth. Um, Lord, that we would walk away feeling encouraged and trained um, today. And it's in your name that we pray. Um, so glad that y'all are here. Um, we have, like I said, more seats up here. My name is Allison Treadaway. Um, I've had the privilege of being involved with the Nest for about seven years. And um, I'm married to Marshall, and I have a, what do I have? A seven and a half, three and a half, what do I have? Seven and a half, five and a half, and a three and a half year old. Did I say that? Three year old. Anyways, I have three kids, <laughs> and um, I'm excited to be a part of the Nest, and I'm so glad that you're here. Um, if this is your first time, welcome. We're so glad that you came. If you're a regular attender, glad that you're here. Um, what's really fun about the Nest is it's really... Um, kind of a melting pot of different um, churches represented. We do have a lot of people that come here to Watermark, but we also have a lot of folks that don't necessarily attend this church. So we're glad that you're here. Um, please be sure, we're going to have a time here in a little bit to introduce yourselves or your, the other ladies at your table, um, just to get to know one another and um, be able to just take more away from today's events. Um, the nest exists to nurture, encourage, and strengthen and train. Um, we know that that all of us come from different walks. And so we exist so we, you can come in and be nurtured, encouraged, strengthened, and trained um, so that you can go home and, um, and, and make some changes in your family. Not all of us um, come from a, a place of just biblical truth and understanding. And all of us need, um, as Mandy spoke last week or last month, um, she was talking about how in Joshua, how... Um, in Joshua, like in chapter 13, God tells Joshua, um, although you have, you have claimed and you have conquered all of these enemies um, for my name and for my glory, but there is still more territory to be taken. Do not grow weary, and we're going to still go and conquer more for my name. And that's our goal for this year with our theme, Reclaim, um, is, is I don't know where you've come from, and I don't know. All of our paths are a little bit differently, but there's still work the Lord wants to do in our lives. And a lot of times, um, we don't know necessarily what that is. Is. Like we might have some ideas of some things that need some refinement in our life to align with God's truth, but, but there might be areas you don't even know. And my dad always said the most dangerous information is what you don't know that you don't know. And, um, and I take that and I go, that's exactly what we want to do this year. We're going to address eight topics this year that we feel like are um, patterns and pitfalls for mamas in this life stage um, that can trip us up. And we might not even know that there are things that we're doing that aren't honoring the Lord, or they might be things that you're like, yeah, I really need to, I really need to work on that one, but I haven't had the energy or the capacity to do so. Well, this is the year, and so we're so excited um, that you guys are here, um, and we're excited for this for this day and that we're here. So I'm excited about that. Can you tell I'm excited? Okay, um, today we're going to reclaim trust with Suzanne Sanderson and then two other friends, Amy Holm and Michelle Buchanan. I'm excited to hear from them. Um, next month, we've made a little bit of a change. So if you happen to look at our website ever, you would have thought that next month we're going to address discipline, but we're not. We're switching it. And so um, next month, uh, are we October? So next month is November. We're going to be addressing, um, we're going to reclaim our identity for Christ. And so we're going to do that. And then in December, we are going to reclaim discipline. Um, and so that December, the first 
dates are always helpful. The first Friday, I did not write down, the first Friday of the month, um, thank you, um, December 4th is here. This is a great event for you to bring your spouse. Um, If he has um, flexible hours or time off, this would be a really good one. Again, December 4th, be a really good one to bring your spouse to. Millie Hale is going to talk to us about reclaiming discipline. And so, just want to put that in front of you so you can make a note and talk to your husband. It'd be good to come. There's always the audio going to be available afterwards, so he does not need to come. But should he, that might be just really useful. And so anyways, there's that. And I think that's it. All my announcements. So you ladies, why don't y'all sit around the table and uh, get to know each other a little bit, and then we'll get started. Okay, we're going to go ahead and get started. I can tell you guys really enjoyed that time together. Okay, we're going to get started. Amy Holum um, is one of, um, she's on our leadership team with The Nest. Many of you know her. She helps heads up our volunteers and our kind of front lines um, parts of The Nest. And so we're excited to have her start us off today as we reclaim trust. Hello. Um, I was going to start by introducing my family, which there should be a picture on maybe the next slide. There they are. Um, My name is Amy Hullum. My husband is Russ. Um, And then I also have um, Luke, who is six and a half, Lila, who is four and a half, and then Tyler, who is um, almost nine months. So in that picture, he was like, you know, two weeks old. But that was the last time we've had a family picture together. So, you know, um, so he's bigger now. And... um, uh, and in preparation for this talk today, um, we were sitting around um, having breakfast earlier this week, and I asked them, I said, guys, what's, what's something that you're afraid of? And, um, and Russ, I don't believe he's really afraid of anything. He said snakes, but I think it was just to kind of make me feel better, because uh, I struggle so much with fear. Um, and so we, um, we balance each other out. Because I, I worry about so many things and he doesn't. Um, and then Luke also said that he's afraid of snakes. And then Lila said, bad guys. And Tyler doesn't talk. But um, I can tell you he is afraid of our blender and our, um, my hair dryer. Um, <laughs> but um, anyway, so you know, kids are real fearful. And I, I wouldn't say that looking back on when I was younger that I was a super fearful, fearful person. Um, or not anything out of the ordinary. Um, and when I was eight, um, I made the decision to follow Christ and put my trust in him. Um, and that really served me well. Like um, through middle school and high school and early adulthood, um, I feel like I faced trials, um, but always made them through with him. Like I, I could always look back and see, okay, I can see what you were doing there. I could, I can, so I was able to continue to put my trust in him um, because whether it was, you know, loneliness or tough friendships or unemployment or different things that I faced, um, I could always kind of see how he was working and it kind of grew our relationship. Um, but then um, in 2008, um, Russ and I had a miscarriage. And it was like the saddest, most awful thing that had ever happened. And I was just like, wait a second. Like, I'm, I'm a follower of Christ. Like, things are not supposed to hurt this bad. Like, think, I'm not supposed to be this sad about something. Um, 
And, um, and then, you know, I, I could see how God was doing good things through it. Like he was growing my relationship in my marriage. He was teaching like our community group, how to care for me and, and teaching me how to be cared for by other people. Um, and so even then I could see good things, but when I got pregnant again, when I was pregnant with Luke, um, I was just overwhelmed with anxiety and like could not, um, couldn't stop worrying. And I just kept thinking, you know, I just need another sonogram or I just need to feel a baby kick or I just need something to where I know that this is going to be okay. And then I thought, um, if this baby, if this baby could just be born and I could hold it in my arms, then I would have control. And then I wouldn't have to worry about anything. And y'all, I mean, we all know that's not true, right? I mean, when those babies are born, then it's like, oh, it's crying. What do I do now? And like, what if, you know, all these different things just come into your mind. And I was going to read you my list of things that I have worried about since becoming a parent. And this is not like, it's not a complete list. Um, these are all real things, um, but they are truly things that caused me anxiety after I, um, after I had Luke. And so here goes. Um, I feared miscarriage again that, like, with, when I was pregnant with Lila, when I was pregnant with Tyler. Um, SIDS, just random unexplained death of my child. Like that was just, I, I thought, what if I'm just driving somewhere and we get there and my child has died? <laughs> you know, like that would go through my mind as I was driving places. Um, cancer, other serious illness for me or for my husband or for my kids. Um, <clears throat> I worried about sexual abuse of my kids when they're not in my care. Um, exposure to pornography. As my kids are getting older, I think, oh, what if they're at a friend's house or at a neighbor's house and they see something I don't want them to see? Um, debilitating car accidents, kidnapping, serious injury, choking, drowning, really anything bad due to my neglect were things that I worried about. Um, persecution, tornadoes, swine flu. Now, I know that swine flu has not really been around recently, but when he went, when Luke was three months old, I had convinced myself not only that I had swine flu, but that I had given it to him. And I, I remember like, I had quarantined myself in the back, of the back of the house. Russ was in charge of taking care of Luke, and I just cried. And I was just like, he has swine flu. And he didn't. like He wasn't even sick. But I was thinking, because I had it, and it was so contagious that he was going to get it. And I didn't have it, by the way. Um... I was sick, but I didn't know swine flu. Um, hand sanitizer poisoning. Now, that is a real thing, too. And I blame my mom because she watches the Today Show. And she will forward me things that she sees on the Today Show. And one of the things around then was hand sanitizer poisoning. And so I had this, he was, Luke was born in cold and flu season. And so I had this bottle of hand sanitizer for when people came over to visit. And I remember looking at it and just thinking, I don't even know what to do. Because, like, people would be coming in. And I wanted them to wipe off their germs. But then I didn't want them to like touch him and him somehow get it in his mouth and have sanitizer poisoning. So, um, kids eating, my kids eating magnets or batteries. That's also from the Today Show, and that does happen. Um, uh, and I, I have, I've had dreams where that has happened in my dreams. Um, so, um, how my kids are cared for when I'm not there. Um, I think about, um, you know, that. As their mom, I'm going to do something to screw them up, like either mentally or emotionally or nutritionally. Like these are all things that just cause me anxiety and, and, and that I want to have control over. Um, 
So when I'm seeking control, I spend a lot of time figuring out how to stop those things from happening. Um, and in a lot of ways, those things are my responsibilities. Like I shouldn't leave magnets out that they can eat, right? Um, so it's, it's, it, you have to find a balance of control um, versus just like good parenting. Um, sometimes I can convince myself that I'm in c- control and then my trust is in my control. And that's a problem because I'm not really in control. Um, when, when I can see a situation that is completely out of my control, I turn to anxiety and fear. Um, so a year ago, almost I think to the day, um, in Dallas, we had Ebola, okay? And that was, it was a huge deal, right? Because like we all thought on the news, um, as soon as it came out and it was like national headlines, I was getting text messages from um, family members that don't live here and from friends and um, other mom friends and I, we were trying to figure out like, do we send our kids to school? Do we go to church? Do we, um, do we stockpile food and just stay in and quarantine until it's all, all passed? Like, what do we do? And I was getting really worked up. And then not only was I getting worked up about it, but I was thinking like I was letting my mind go down a lot of different roads. Like what happens if we get this or what happens if one person gets it? Um, and my husband was traveling and he was going to be on an airplane and I was like, well, he could be on an airplane with somebody that has it. Cause remember all those people that said they thought they had it. And anyway, um, so, but there was absolutely no way for me to control it. Cause I was trying to think of everything I could. Um, and at that time I was in the Mark study that was going on in women's Bible study. And what came to mind while I was just completely just, I was standing in my kitchen, just felt completely bound up in fear. And I was thinking, I am just like those disciples that kept forgetting who Jesus was. And they would get so worked up when there was a storm and they were like, Jesus, did you forget us? You know, and I was doing the same thing. Um, just getting so worked up and bound up in that fear. And so I just sat at my kitchen table and I said, this is something I have no control over. And I was just praying. I was like, I don't know what I'm supposed to do, but I trust that you'll tell me if I need to go to Costco and stock up on food for my family. Like, I trust that you'll show me, but I'm not going to do anything without you showing me what I'm supposed to do. Um, and I just had this peace. Um, and I hate that it came to something like Ebola coming to Dallas for me to get where I needed to be with my responses to God and, and the way that I turn to the Lord when I feel like things are out of control. Um, um, that same heart of surrender um, and just the release of the control that I had then needs to happen um, when I'm worried about my kids playing in the front yard or when I'm worried about what, what's happening to them at school um, or when I think about all the germs that are everywhere. And I'm not really a germaphobe, but like, um, you know, there are germs everywhere. They can get sick and like, and it's inconvenient to be sick. So I try to control that because I don't like inconvenience, but um, but we just, we just can't control it and it's not our job. Um, and so, um, the reality is we live in a scary, broken world. Bad things happen. Um, that list of things that I read off, those are things that happen. Those are things that have hurt, hurt people. Um, they could happen to my family. Um, bad things hurt and they're sad and being a follower of Christ, we have hope, but we still hurt, and we, and we can and we, we can still have sadness in our lives. Um, 
And I think sometimes we don't always think that we want the story that's being written for us. Um, and so as parents that are in charge of these little lives that have been entrusted to us, um, we have to find a balance of, um, of that desire for control, um, that we don't want to have. Um, but then also what does it look like to parent wisely? Um, and so if you have, this is in the handout, but, um, basically what I think to find victory over my desire for control and my temptation to fear and to parent wisely, I have these six things. The first thing is to fight the lies that we believe with truth. Um, and you may have different lies that you believe. And so if you do, a good practice would be to go home and write out the lies that you believe and then, and then find scripture or have a friend help you find scripture that combats those lies. Um, the first one I put is that God isn't good. Um, and I think back like to that miscarriage and I think I could have thought God isn't good. Like why would, why would this happen? Um, but we see that God is good. Um, and he works things for his purpose. Um, and the verse that I chose for that is, um, Psalm 105, for the Lord is good. His loving kindness is everlasting and his faithfulness is to all generations. Um, I can easily believe that God doesn't have good plans for my life. And so we see in Jeremiah 29, 11, his plans are good. Um, another lie is living in my fear is safer than trusting God. Um, and that's because it's that, it's back to that whole control thing again. It's like, if I can just control my family, if I can just keep everybody safe, um, then that feels safer to me sometimes than trusting God. And we see in Matthew six six twenty seven and Psalm 125, that God is trustworthy and, um, we cannot add even an hour to our lives because we're anxious about something or because we're fearful or worrying. Um, but what we can do is we can waste a whole lot of time doing that and thinking that we're in control and putting time into being into in, in control. Um, and then the last one is I believe that I have more control when I'm afraid. Um, and the truth is it's just that I'm not in control whether I'm afraid or not. Um, the second thing, I think we can do to parent wisely is to train our kids. Um, parenting is active. It's not passive. And that, that word train, I love it because, um, it just shows us that we do have a job. Like we don't just push them out the front door and say, Hey, good luck. You know, we train them, we train them in what they're supposed to do. We train them in righteousness. Um, I think we pray together. I think when they're worried about things or when a friend is sick or something, we just model that prayer with them and, um, and get them to where they are learning that that's, that they can turn to the Lord, um, with things they're worried about. You can memorize scripture together with your kids. Um, and you know, that we have like the songs they do in We Joyce here. There, there's tons of music out there that has, um, Bible verses that makes it easier for them to memorize. And then, um, another thing under training is, um, this takes some discernment on your part and with your community group, but not giving your kids responsibilities that they haven't been trained for. Um, and what I'll give you some examples, examples of that. My, um, six, my six year old, my, uh, when he was two, he had learned how to open our, um, like the lock on our doors and let himself outside. Um, and I had a new baby, like Lila was, Lila had just been born. And so I was training him on not doing that. But 
he is, he's um, my more spirited child. He's pretty strong-willed. And, um, and he, to him, it is more fun or it's more important to have fun and do what he wants to do rather than obey. And so, and he, and he had no comprehension of the safety issue of going out in the front yard without me knowing where he was. Um, and so we had to change the locks. Like we changed the locks to where was a key when he could learn, when he learned to do the key, we put the key up high. Um, and that wasn't me trying to control him. That's just me being aware that he's not trained to know that he can't go outside without me, that he, cause he, he would not stay out of the street. Um, and so, um, that's just one example of, um, of how we can train them. And then now as a six year old, he knows not to get in the street. He knows not to talk to strangers. He knows all of these things. He's been trained well on those and he has accepted the training. Um, and so it's, we're not as tight on that. Now, when Tyler starts moving, we'll, we'll talk and we'll see. But, um, about what we need to do at the front doors. But right now, you know, he's been trained and I, and I can trust that, that things will be okay. Um, another thing I thought about, I mentioned, you know, just being worried that my kids would be exposed to something, um, like exposed to pornography or just something that I'm not ready for them to be exposed to yet. And so, um, just in seeking counsel from parent or from friends who have older kids, um, they kind of taught, you know, what they do with their kids. Like if somebody's going over to a friend's house, they have a rule of no screen, no screens over at a friend's house. Um, and then talking about like what private parts are and why they're private. And if somebody's not being private, how to help them be private and things like that. Well, I'm in the midst of still training Luke on that. And so he doesn't go to somebody's house who, who I don't know the parents or that if they don't have the same standards that we have at my house. And again, like controlling would be me going with him and staying with him by his side the whole time, or just saying, no, we're never doing that. But I'm actively training him so that he'll be ready to handle that responsibility. Um, just as he matures. So, um, so it can look like control, but it's really, it really is training and then just trusting the Lord to take care of the rest once they've shown that they're, they're trained. Um, I, I liken it to like a football coach, which is funny because I'm like the last person in the world that should be doing a sports analogy, but like, um, you know, a football coach would not put a player in who didn't know the rules and who had not been in practice and had not been training, or if he did, it wouldn't be wise. Um, and so in the same way we need to train our kids and, and then wait till they're ready to be put in the game before we let them go in. Um, okay, so three is guarding my heart. Um, I am one who's real uh, easily um, sucked into like articles, um, movies, things where like scary things are happening. I can easily project like myself into the main character or put, put my kids' faces on those things. And um, so it's just wise for me not to do that. Um, and not to be like, not to live in a bubble and to still be aware of things going on, but, um, but not over exposing myself to things that are just going to make me fearful. Um, like, okay. Another example is like Googling things. Like if I have symptoms of something or if I've heard about something, um, or if my kids have symptoms, if I Google it, you can pretty much find that there's something really bad wrong with you, um, with any symptoms. Um, and that may not be the case. So I would say, just don't go down that road. You make wise choices with that. Um, and then when those thoughts do creep into your mind, just take them captive and turn them back over to the Lord. Um, 
Fourth thing you can do is um, live and parent in biblical community, whether that's with your community group or with other parents um, who are like-minded and are also um, seeking to, to really honor the Lord with their lives. Just make sure there are other people who can be voices around you who can speak into what you're doing and can also question you um, about if you're making choices out of fear or control or if you're doing them to be wise. And then recognize that different families will have different things that are right for them. Um, But the goal is to encourage each other um, and to really just know where each other is coming from within that. Fifth thing is pray. Um, I feel like we could have a whole talk on reclaiming prayer. um, But it's it's true. Um, And this is one of my latest favorite verses. This is the uh, New Living Translation. But it says, because he bends down to listen, I will pray as long as I have breath. It's like, oh, man. It's like the God of the universe is bending down to hear your prayers. He wants to know what you're afraid of. He wants to know what's causing you anxiety. He wants to give you wisdom if we'll ask. Um, so that's, that's, that, that cannot be ignored. Prayer is something we have to do. And then the last thing is just remembering that he's with me and he's with my family. Um, one of the verses that the kids memorize when they were little here is Joshua 1.9. Um, be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. And it's not just for the preschool kids. It's for, every, like, it's for all of us. Um, anywhere we go, whether it's a path that's, you know, uh, walking the path of cancer, walking the path of losing a child, any of those things that are fearful, that can be paths that our lives go down, God is with us. And it may still, it may still be painful. It may still be sad. Um, but we can't ask for anything more than for him to just be with us. Um, and then I love Isaiah 43, 1. I mentioned that my, my daughter's name is Lila, which in Hebrew means um, you're mine, which we, did, we liked it, so we picked it up because we liked the name. But then I also like it because of this scripture, and it's such a reminder that, like, as a mom, when my child is afraid, like, I would, I'm, I'm in there and I'm saying, I'm with you. There's nothing to be worried about. Like, as long as I'm with you, you're, you're okay. There's nothing to be worried about. And God is the same way with us. We are his. And he's with us, and he's saying, I'm with you. There's, no, you know, there's nothing to fear because I've got control over this. So those are my points. I hope those are helpful to you. And my sweet friend, um, Michelle Buchanan, um, is coming up to talk to you now. Oh, yeah, I forgot. I have to use this. Um, Well, I think what Amy said was so true and right. I don't have anything else to say. I agree with everything. Good job. No, I can totally relate to everything she said. Um, My name is Michelle Buchanan, and I have been married to Scott for 25 years, and we've raised three kids. Our son, Davis, is 23. He lives in Tyler and works for Pine Cove Christian Camps. Our daughter, Maddie, is 21, and she's a senior at Baylor. And our daughter, Ellie, is 18, and she's a freshman at Baylor. And so um, I remember the stage that y'all are in right now. You're in a 24-7, seven-day-a-week job that is so fulfilling and rewarding and tiring and exhausting and... um, I just have been praying so much about 
what I would share with you and that God would be the one to talk to you through me right now to encourage you and just to refresh your soul right now while you take this break. Um, we take our job as moms seriously. It's probably the favorite thing I've ever done. And um, we just want to steward our precious little people that God created and gave to us really well. And so... Um, you know, we try so hard to protect them and keep them safe and keep them healthy. And there, and that is important. That is, we have a huge responsibility. Um, let me tell you a little bit about how I'm made, how my brain works left to my own devices. Ever since I can remember, even as a young girl, I remember laying in bed at night and um, it would be dark in the house. Everyone would be asleep and I would be laying there making a plan for if a bad guy came in. And I would think, okay, well, if I'm just going to be as still as a statue and not move because if the bad guy thinks I'm a statue, then he won't be interested in me. Or I'll hold my breath and then he'll think I'm dead. And who, what's the fun in killing an already dead person? So I was so, I would get so worked up on making this plan for if a bad guy came in, I would literally become paralyzed with fear and terrified and want to call out to my mom and dad that were in the next room to come and hold me and tell me everything was okay and protect me. And I could not make my voice come out of my throat. I was that scared. So um, God in his kindness when I was eight, he introduced himself to me, and I accepted him as my savior. And he caused me to want to spend time with him, getting to know him, getting to know who he is and his promises, and fill my heart with that truth and train my brain to think on those things. Because um, I, too, had that natural tendency to fear and to want to be sure that I always had a plan um, for, and, and I was thinking of what bad thing could happen and what am I going to do when it does? And well, sometimes things happen in life that you don't plan for. There's no way to have a plan for them because you haven't even thought of them yet. Um, when Davis was 13, he started to have severe neck pain and headaches and his left arm started to go numb. And so we took him to different doctors and finally they realized that he had something called a Chiari malformation where his brain stem was too far in his spinal column. We all have fluid that flows around our spinal column and our brain. And his brain stem was stopping up that path so the fluid couldn't flow. And so it was causing his spine to curve severely and to press on his nerves and to cause pain and numbness. The only way to fix this was to have brain surgery. And so here I had spent 13 years protecting him, caring for him, um, hoping he didn't get sick because we were using hand sanitizer. Um, and I had to just turn him over to perfect strangers to put him to sleep and cut open his skull and cut near his brain. And I had no plan for that. I had no control over that. 
But the thing I could do was take the truth that God had put in my heart over the years and take his promises and remember who he is and that he loves me and he's with me. And not only that, he loves Davis more than I do and wants to care for us. Um, This wasn't just about me and my opportunity to trust God. It was about my child and his personal relationship with the Lord and his opportunity to trust God. And isn't that what we want the most for our children is for them to believe that God is real and loves them and they have a personal relationship with him. So the surgery um, fixed the problem. Um, I don't know why that had to happen. Davis's spine is still curved. His left side of his body is still numb. Um, It's not the way we would want it, but he continues to live a full life. There's so much to be grateful for in the midst of that. Um, And he does have a relationship with the Lord, which is actually the most important thing, and I'm so grateful for that. A few years later, my husband, Scott, woke up one morning, and he couldn't talk. And he went in to make coffee, and he couldn't remember how. And um, he came back, and he was trying to tell me something, and he was making all sorts of hand motions. And I'm like, okay, just spit it out. Just tell me. I can handle it. And and he was like, you know, and I'm, I'm beginning to think, okay, this is weird, and probably this is what they talk about when you might be having a stroke and you're supposed to call 911. And so I say that to him. I think maybe I should call 911, and he's like, and I'm thinking just a side note here. If this is ever happening, call 911. That is what you're supposed to do. But we stupidly just made an appointment for the doctor, and we went to see his doctor, and um, he had an MRI, and it did show that he had had a stroke. He had a stroke because he had a hole in his heart, and... uh, Blood clot has, had passed through his heart to his brain and had burst. And God was so merciful. He did not, um, Scott did not suffer long-term ramifications from that stroke, even though we were so stupid and just, la-di-da, oh, well, you know, let's get this fixed as it comes along. Anyway, um, we we talked to lots of different people about the different options to fix the hole in his heart and um, just prayed a lot for God to guide us through that. Um, I'll tell you, Dallas is a place with amazing doctors that can help you. And um, so his heart, the hole in his heart was fixed and um, he continues to live a healthy life, which I'm so grateful for. But When we were going through that time, um, I felt very vulnerable. Um, This was my husband who God had given to me as a gift, as my protector and my provider and our leader and my friend. And um, he could be taken away from me. But God reminded me because he had filled my heart with the truth of who he is and his promises that he is my provider, ultimately, and my protector. God is my protector and my friend and my leader. 
He wants to bless me. He wants to care for me. He loves me so much. And so I can trust him always, no matter what. Um, Then um, just a few years after that, I had a strange bump on my right eyelid. And um, after lots of different doctors looking at it, they... Uh, and having a biopsy, it came back that I had sebaceous cell carcinoma, which is um, not a very common form of cancer. It is cancer in your oil gland. And um, I had a large tumor on my right eyelid. So my entire right eyelid and tear duct had to be removed. Now, whoever thinks about having oil gland cancer in your eyelid and prepares for that, not me. Um, I mean, that's the most random thing I've ever heard. But anyway, uh, it was all removed. I mean, the last tissue the doctor could take was free of cancer. That is, was such a huge gift. Um, my eye was sewn shut for four months. That's a fun experience. Um, And I had to be tested because this kind of cancer is related to colon cancer. Um, It's related to a very rare genetic terminal syndrome. And I also had to be checked to be sure it hadn't spread anywhere. And every time I waited for an answer to those tests, I would just tell myself, no matter what that doctor No matter what that man says to me, I will say, God, you are good. You love me. You have given me everything already because you gave me your son. And I will spend eternity with you. And I didn't have to go through the news of hearing the hard answer Um, So I don't want to stand up here and say, look at me, I've done it so well. I've gone through such hard things. Um, And I don't want to make it sound like it's a simple magic formula. But I truly felt God's presence and God carry me because he had filled me with his truth about who he is and his promises and that he loves me. He's with me. He remembers his promises to me. He wants to bless me. He sees me. He hears me. He gives me everything for life and godliness. And so, um, thankfully, I didn't have colon cancer or the rare syndrome. Um, I've been cancer-free for four years, and I'm so grateful. And one of the things that really helped me was through that scary time to write down all the ways I saw God um, and and all the good things he gave me and just um, remember to be thankful and grateful even in the scary time and, and to trust him. Um, so anyway, I don't know if you all can see. This is kind of a big deal for me. I usually wear wear my hair over my eye and wear glasses I try to hide what's happened, but um, my eye doesn't blink, and it doesn't have eyelashes. I have fake eyelashes on right now, and um, it doesn't drain, but, um, and I don't know why. I don't know why that happened to me. 
Um, it's not the way I would want it to be at all. I kind of liked my eyes before this. Um, but it's okay because, because I've had those opportunities to trust the Lord and not to be overcome by fear through them. I don't want the bad things to happen to me or to my family. I don't want anything bad to come. But if they do, I know that God will carry me because he is always good. He's so faithful and he loves me. And the thing I can hold on to the most is that someday Davis's spine will be straight. Someday Scott's heart will be whole, whole with a W. And someday I will have an eyelid that blinks with eyelashes because we will, if we believe in Jesus, be free of all sickness, injury, sadness, death. We will be with him perfect, celebrating and in his loving presence. So I hope today that that encourages you and that um, I just love being here with y'all and have fun with your babies. It's so awesome these years you have. Thanks. Oh, and next we're going to hear from Suzanne Sanderson. Ladies, I made the mistake of listening to myself last time I was here. And, um, it's a bad idea. I mean, good. And so I said amen to myself a couple times when I was listening to myself. But y'all, I can be a little crazy. And so I'll just tell you, buckle up. It's gonna, we're gonna go fast just because that's what I do. So, um, but I'm excited because the Lord gave this finally to me yesterday. So it's gonna be awesome. Um, so back when we started, I saw War Room last night, and literally as I'm walking into the theater, I was like, why did I think it was a good idea to go to a movie when I have to think about what I'm going to do tomorrow and what I'm going to wear? And so I'm sitting in War Room at the very beginning. How many of y'all seen it? Just I'm curious. Okay. If you haven't seen it, see it, even if it's after Netflix, but just see it. So at the very beginning, it talks about her husband. I won't give anything away. But it was in the military, and his job was to figure out what the enemy was going to do and to prepare for it. And literally, I wanted to walk out of the movie so I could go add it to my talk. And I was like, Lord, help me remember that. Because literally, that's what we're doing. Like, that's why we're here. Because we're going, we have an enemy who's trying to stop us. And God has given us what we need to prepare for what he's going to do. So we started talking about reclaim. I think I put this on there. And definition for reclaim is to claim something that has been previously lost or given away. And so when we're thinking about reclaiming trust, that means either we've lost trust Somewhere, I don't know where it went, but we've lost it. We've given it to something that we shouldn't have. Or, and I love this part, bring wasteland under cultivation. And I was like, wait, what? And I thought, you know, God's so creative that I'm like, that could be us too. We may be a wasteland that doesn't trust anything. Like we might be going, I I got trusted nothing. In fact, I just live in fear all the time. And so that was when we were talking about reclaim. And we said, I remember when first we were talking about this topic, I will calm down eventually. I promise it happens. Shakes me a minute. Um, we were talking about naming this reclaiming fear. And we we're like, well, that's weird. You're not really reclaiming fear. You're actually reclaiming trust, which is what the opposite of fear is. And so then 
in my mind, as I'm processing this, I was like, okay, in scripture, God says, do not fear like a whole thousands of times. If y'all have never looked it up, it's pretty awesome. It's like 60 something, I think. And so some of those verses that he says is, don't be afraid for I am with you. Don't be discouraged for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will hold you up with my victorious right hand. For I am the Lord your God who takes hold of your right hand and says to you, do not fear, I will help you. But now this is what the Lord says. He who created you, O Jacob, he who formed you, Israel, do not fear for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name, you are mine. And that's literally just three of like the thousands where he says it. So I thought, oh, this will be really fun. I'm going to ask our staff, what do you fear? And I really thought I'd get back sarcastic answers like, well, I don't because I trust Jesus. But that's not what happened. (laughs) They sent me lots of answers. So I'm just going to share some of these with you. I just highlighted a few so that we didn't have to read the whole thing. But one of the first ones I got was five-year-old girls in horror movies. I was like, oh, yeah. Amen. Okay. Financial turmoil, sickness, evil or injury happening to my boys, damaging my image of perfection. Not having children, having children with special needs. Someone said, bonus, any creepy, crawly things. No one will like me. I can never change. I'll always be this way. Vomit was somebody's. Abandonment, not being significant, saying the wrong thing, fear of being known. The future, being uncomfortable, being forgotten, being too much. Heights, no, it's for real, a real thing. That's what they said. The unexpected, God isn't good and will let me down. God has forgotten me when I pray. And and when I pray, there seems to be silence. God has trial in store because every good Christian must always be suffering. Being attacked or raped, the dark, and then they said dot, dot, dot. I know. Bugs and blood, think broken bones and hospital stuff. Um, 635, I thought that one was funny. Um, My dad will die without knowing Jesus. The government, losing my mind. They said, I know, weird, but it's true. There was a time when I felt like I was losing myself and it scared me. Old age, lack of fulfillment, boredom, and ISIS. And that's just literally, that's just a handful of things they said. And I, it's funny because I got the list and I was like, oh yeah, me too. Oh yeah, me too. And all through that. And so some of the ones I said that came up there repeatedly were failure, fear of man, fear of not being liked. And so then this started happening in my mind. I was like, okay, wait a minute. Fear. Why do we fear things so much? Like, what is it ingrained in us that creates us, like, it's, it's real. Like, it's, there's no one in this room that will say, I've never feared anything. And so then I started going, wait, the Lord has taught me over the last handful of years, when I, when some, like, when I have people-pleasing tendencies, something else is going on in me that's deeper. So let's dig a little deeper. And typically it's because I want to be loved, I want to be liked, I want to be chosen, And all of those things, I stopped. I was like, but are those bad? Like, is that bad? And I was like, no, like that's, God created that in me to want those things. It's just, I go try to get it from the wrong thing. So I run towards people to get that, or I run towards clothes to get that, or whatever it is, I run towards those things to fulfill this God-given need. So then I thought, wait, is there any chance when he says, do not fear a thousand times, that there's actually maybe a flip side to fear? And so then I looked in scripture and found that it tells us to fear the Lord actually more times. And y'all, I know this is going to sound crazy. <laughs> he commands us to fear him more times than he commands us to trust him. And I was like, say what? Okay, so let's figure out what's going on here. So I'm just going to read a, a couple of these, but they're all in your handouts. Like I wasted a lot of a treat just to give it all to you. So, but I'm going to read you a couple of these. So it says, and now Israel, what does the Lord your God require of you? Which I think, man, that's, I'm always asking, God, what do you want from me? He tells me right here. He requires only that you fear the Lord your God, which surprised me. 
Because I think a lot of times I tell myself, well, he requires that you love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. And I'm like, yes. But I actually think after doing all this crazy studying, I actually think that comes after we're able to do this. When we finally realize who he is, we're able to move into that. So I was like, huh. And then it says, and live in a way that pleases him and love him and serve him with all your heart and soul. But I'm like, whoa, he says, fear the Lord first. Be sure to fear the Lord and serve him faithfully with all your heart. Consider what great things he has done. Then the Lord said to Satan, have you considered my servant Job? There is no one on earth like him. He is blameless and upright, a man who fears God and shuns evil. So I'm like, oh, okay. Y'all, this just started blowing my mind. Okay, next one. Uh, Okay, the Ecclesiastes at the bottom. So this is Solomon who his whole life, when we, any of y'all doing the journey? How many of y'all are on the journey? Don't be shy. Okay. So at the end, like, as I've been reading through this, when I got to Ecclesiastes, I was like, oh, the reason Solomon says, like, y'all, this is all pointless, because he literally went and tried it all. Like, somewhere I missed that along the way. And this is what he says at the end. So that's the whole story. Here now is my final conclusion. Fear God and obey his commands, for this is everyone's duty. And I was like, so, so that's what Job was. And at the end of Job, you see him saying, fear God and shun evil. Like, that's what God has told us to do. So I thought, y'all, it's just like blowing my brain. So I went, Lord, what does it mean to fear you? Because in my mind, fear says freak out, shaking, run. Like that time I thought I heard someone in my apartment and I locked myself in my bathroom without my cell phone and wasn't sure what I was going to do. Well, I guess people will come find me eventually, but there's clearly someone out there. So I'm just going to wait. And there was no one there, but I sure got good and worked up and tried to figure out who would come find me first. So, um, so he's commanded us to do it. And I went and I listened to Chandler, Wagner, Piper, MacArthur, like these sermons, and no one would give me just this easy definition, which I was like, can't y'all just help me out and just give me a real easy definition. But after listening to all that, after reading all the scripture, here's kind of what I came to is this reverence and awe of who he is And it's a correct understanding. Like it's understanding who God is. And so I thought, well, okay, now we got to figure out who he is. So we're going to skip all those other fear slides and we're going to go to who God is. So y'all, I'm a visual learner. So we're going to get real visual today. Okay. First one on who God is, is that he is holy, which is part of what helps us with this fear part. Give the following instructions to the entire community of Israel. You must be holy because I, the Lord, your God, am holy. Oh, God, your ways are holy. There is, is there any God as mighty as you? So God is perfect. He does nothing wrong. He, he just, he, that's, okay, I don't think I have to say anything else about that. He's holy. Okay, next. He's in control. The Lord of heaven's armies has sworn this oath. It will happen as I have planned. It will be as I have decided. Only I can tell you the future before it happens. Everything I plan will come to pass. For I do whatever I wish. Okay. He's also good. The Lord stands at your right hand to protect you. Give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His faithful love endures forever. And the last thing is, is he doesn't make mistakes. He is the rock. His deeds are perfect. Everything he does is just and fair. He is a faithful God who does no wrong how just and upright he is. God's way is perfect. All the Lord's promises prove true. He is a shield for all who look to him for perfection. Protection, not perfection. Okay, so this is a really pitiful, I hate it that it's a chair, but I didn't really have any other, like, how I'm going to show you who God is. But, okay, so this is God. He sits on the throne. He's in charge. 
Okay, so the first thing we have to do is figure out if, if we believe this. Like we have to keep asking ourselves, do we believe this to be true about God? And I'll tell you, if you will put God on trial, he will prove to be this every single time. I'm a skeptic by nature. Anyone in my life will tell you, all I do is constantly question the Lord. <laughs> like, are you really, are you sure? Can you? Just prove it, okay? And then he just constantly proves himself. And I'm like, maybe I'll stop asking him like when I die. But until then, like, look, he's just gonna keep proving himself. So this is God. He sits on the throne. He's the one that's in charge. So then um, I then asked myself, Okay, so if that's true, the other part, I think, of the fear of the Lord is, so what's my response to this? Because not only is it God, he's on his throne, he's perfect, he's holy, and I have this awe and reverence of him, but now I have to realize I have a response to this. So it's also my relationship to that. So y'all, I, can't, I threw this in at the last minute, and I really am laughing that I'm going to do this. I, there's only one response to this, which is for me to sit at his feet and to kneel and accept Christ as my savior, to go, I I can't be around this without Jesus. I can't be in your presence without Jesus. So the only way I get to hang out with this is to accept him as my savior and be his child. So I really am going to put on a TR. Y'all, this is crazy that I'm doing this. Okay. But this is to remind me who I am. Mandy would help me get this out of the proud closet. Okay. And I'm going to sit down and hope I can get back up. Okay. So this is my, this is my only response to who God is. And really, I should probably be kneeling, but I'm afraid that I might hurt myself. But it's to sit at his feet, to learn who he is, to let him be who he is for me. And so if you haven't done this part, everything else I'm going to say is not going to work. Okay? Like nothing else from here on out will make any sense because this is your first decision to make once you know who he is. And if you haven't done that, your table leader would love to talk to you about Or if you just have questions, like you don't have to do it all today, but... Just ask the questions because this, who doesn't want to hang out with that? Who doesn't want this as their Lord and the Savior of their life? I would say nobody, but I have seen people reject it. So, okay. Now, so then, trust. So where does trust come in with fear? And I think that's what it is. I think it's the fear moves us to trust him. Fearing and knowing who he is moves us to trust him. Those of y'all have been on the journey or read, ever read anything in the Old Testament, part of that fear is realizing he can smite me at any minute. Home dude can remove me from this earth now if he wants to. And he does not mess with his holiness. And so that's where the, he's, well, I got these out of control. He's holy, out of order. He's holy and he's just. And so this matters. And me down there matters. Like I've got to stay there. But let's talk about what actually happened. So I have a whole bunch of verses in there about fear moving us to trust. So when I'm afraid, I will put my trust in you. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't depend on your own understanding but on his understanding, because he's all-knowing, all-perfect. Don't worry about anything, but pray about everything. Tell God what you need, and you'll experience his peace. Like, that fear moves us to trust him, and so that's where, with reclaiming trust, again, I think we have to start with this, who is God, and where am I? Now, this was also kind of mind-blowing. So, fear of the Lord does what? What did I say it does for me? It draws me to him. What does fear typically do when we think about fear? Makes us run. And today, when I was reading in Matthew and the Sermon on the Mount, all of a sudden it hit me. Like, y'all, the enemy is so messed up because he twists everything. God says fear should draw you to something. And the enemy is like, no, 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 you should fear it and run away. Like, you should run from it. And I was like, you're so annoying that you do that. And all through the Sermon on the Mount, he kept saying, 
It says the enemy tells you you should hate, uh, the world says you should hate your enemies, but I say, and I kept circling every time he said, but I say, because it's like opposite of what we think. And I'm like, this is like different than what we think we should do. Like he could smite me. I should run. And he's like, no, you run to me and be in protection of me. And I was like, I'm telling you, I just kept, okay. So then I started reading what happens when we fear the Lord. And y'all, this is nuts. So you can start putting those things up there. But, oh no. Hold on. Okay, next time y'all see one of our facility guys, thank them because they helped me like drag these up here today. Okay. So we'll start, we'll start reading what the fruit of fear and trust is. So protection and life. For an angel of the Lord is a guard. He surrounds and defends all who fear him. Do not be impressed with your own wisdom. Instead, fear the Lord and turn away from evil. Then you will have healing for your body and strength for your bones. Those who fear the Lord are secure. He will be a refuge for their children. Fear of the Lord is a life-giving fountain. It offers escape from the snares of death. Fear of the Lord leads to life, bringing security and protection from harm. I got stuff stuff there. What else do we want? Like, that's everything that we fear He's saying, fear me, and you have all of it. You have protection for your children. You have security. You have, what was it, life-giving fountain. Like, I'm a guard. I defend you. It's all the stuff that we run after. And so, the opposite of all of it. And so I was like, this is what happens. I think somehow you can't handle it. You can't handle what I have. And so I'm going to step outside. So don't worry. I still have more examples, people. I might hurt myself doing this part. Oh, gosh. I wanted to make it really point, pointless. I mean, pointful. Whatever. Okay, hold on. I'm sorry. I'm really not going to do a kettlebell swing, so please don't worry about that, if you know what those are. Okay. So I should have picked the lighter ones. Okay. Okay, on here I have, hold on, Um, it's a good thing this is not videoed because that would be really funny. Okay, relationships, needs, infertility, what was my last one, and children. Okay, so God brings things in our life. Lots of things come into our life. And so any of these things within the realm of the Lord, within his protection, as I'm saying, at his feet, trusting him, all of these things stay in his care. So when I think about my children, like I want, I don't have children, y'all. When do you think about your children? I have a lot, but they're not mine. Okay, anyway, so children, what I start to do is I go, okay, what do I really want for them? What's my plan for them? What am I? And so as soon as that happens, this is what happens. Y'all, I'm real, okay. Bobby would shoot me if he saw me picking all this stuff up like this. Okay, I, all of a sudden I stepped out of all that and I start walking this way and what happens? This gets really heavy. I can't carry this for very long. I start coming over here and I start managing and I start having anxiety and I start having fear and then I want things for my kids and then I'm gonna make sure they have the best teacher in school and then I'm gonna take them off that soccer team because that coach looked at them wrong. And I'm going to, oh, wait, that car seat, well, it's a bad example. But, like, you just start doing it by yourself. 
And if I stood here for very long, I would drop this. And I kind of wanted to drop it (laughs) just to get the point, but I don't want to get in trouble. So it's crazy. Why do we do that? When he tells me, come over here. Oh, look, I will care for you. I have rest for you. You actually will have the fruit of the spirit if you stay over here. And then you can actually be kind to your child. Unlike when you go over there and you start, (laughs) it's just bad. Okay. He provides all of this and yet we do it. Okay. So this one. Y'all, I don't know if I can keep doing this, but we're going to try. This is why I work out. Okay, so infertility. Y'all, this sucks. Who wants this? And so I'm not saying if you stay over here, you're not going to feel burden. Because God says, but you, like, come to me, my burden is light. He didn't say there wasn't a burden at all. But he's going to help you carry it. But what do we do? I'm going to go over here and fix it. I'm going to isolate with it and figure out how to deal with it on my own. And it starts overwhelming you. It starts taking over your life. And it's like, stop. And he's going, please don't do that. I'm good. I don't make mistakes. I know this is in your life. I planned it. I may not have made it happen, but I allowed it to happen. And if I did allow it to happen, it is going to pull you closer to me. And and you've heard Amy say that. You heard Michelle say that. You heard him say anything painful that came into their life. When they allowed God to do it, when they stayed here, it just drew him in deeper, and it changed them. He's even good and changes us while we're over here. I can really get emotional about this because this is like, it's a big deal. It's like this started blowing my mind. I'm telling you. And you know what else happens? You know, sometimes you put your sunglasses on your head. You know what I'm talking about? When you're like, what are my sunglasses? Well, I think that's what happens over here. We Because I actually forgot it was up there until just now. But like, we forget we're a child of the Lord. Like, we just like, well, okay, God, see you over here. And I think people look at us funny too, because they're like, aren't you like a believer? <laughs> Don't you love Jesus? Doesn't say you can't cry. Don't, I cry with the best of them, people. I struggle with the best of them, but I have to stay over here so that I can have this. I wrote pain without comfort over there, because you, when you have pain, there's comfort over here. Doesn't mean I don't hurt. That This last four or five months... I should maybe out of breath. I haven't been working out that much. Um, the Lord and I have been wrestling again. It's, it's amazing I can still walk as much as I wrestle with the Lord. But the Lord um, has chosen to keep me single. I'm 42, still single, no children, doing family ministry. The irony is not lost on me, I promise. <laughs> so he has had me here in this life, and I absolutely believe he's kept me here. And I would tell you that 94% of the time, I love it. I love it. I love what I get to do. I love what I get to do it with. I can't even imagine not getting to do what I've gotten to do. But there are days when I'm like, did you forget? Like, remember, like my mom said that I wanted to be a mom since I was like three. Um, like I still have this, these desires and these wants and these at times, I would tell you, like, he created me with this, like, need to get it out there. And God, every time, I can't tell you every time that I get there, do you know what he says to me? Am I enough? And honestly, I have to say no, because I'm over here going, but I want it. I want to manage it. What if you leave me this way forever? Like, what if ISIS does come and I have to do it all by myself? What I worry, I want to isolate And God's going, no, you come over here because this is where provision is. You 
get to have me being your friend and everything that you need is over here. And I'm like, dang, why do I do that? We're all going to do it. We are all going to cross the line. But what do we do once we cross it? And so that's the last, I have no idea where I'm on my slides. I hope you're sort of keeping up with me. Um, yeah, there we go. Now what? So when I get out here, when I start to realize I've picked up my relationships and I'm trying to manage them and control them, and I'm out here and I got the weight, what do I need to do? And it is not to beat yourself up with it. It is not to live in shame. That's over here. Guilt should be on here too. That's living on this side. That's not from the Lord. All he, all he wants you to do is to go back, set it down, and sit back at his feet. And go, Lord, this is how I feel. Like, this sucks. I don't like it. Or, are you sure you're not going to give my husband a job today? Just today the day? And he might say, no, trust me one more day. Know that I have a plan. Know I have a bigger picture. And so it's run back here. To run back, you got to know him, and and then you have to trust him. But y'all, it starts with knowing him and his truth. If you're not in his word, you can't fight with it. And that's what Amy and Michelle both told you, knowing his truth. When you have that, when you're laying, I remember laying on, I was getting a biopsy, and I remember laying in the room, they had these little cancer pink things like all over the wall. And I I was laying there and I was like, Lord, really? We're going to do cancer? That's not going to be fun. And then I just thought, you know what? If that's what you have for me, if that's what's going to draw you closer to me, if that's what's going to make your name more famous, then, okay, here we go. I didn't have it. It was fine. But I may tomorrow, like I may have to go back tomorrow and have it. But do I want this more than I want anything else? And I will tell you my answer is yes. This I want this, I want this more, for sure than I want that, but more than, I, more than I want a husband. That's actually even a good thing. I don't know where you'd put it on the list, but it's a good thing. But it's, I don't want it as unless it's what he wants for me. And y'all, he's serious about his reputation. He is serious about making his name famous. He is serious about his glory, and he's serious about making you like his son. And he's going to keep bringing things here to draw you back here. Just don't let it take you there. And then the last thing is you got to have people who help you. I have more people, more people that are up in my space. And there are moments where I'm like, it's too many people. But y'all, most of the time, 99.9% of the time, when I'm not overwhelmed, I can't do this unless I have people in my life that go, Suzanne, you picked it up again. Go put it back down. Don't tell me how great I am. Don't tell me I can do it. Don't tell me whatever. Tell me God can and tell me to get my tail back. And people tell me to get my tail back. They reminded me all this week, hey, it's not about you tomorrow. It's not about you on Friday. It's about whatever God wants to say and do, and he's going to do it. But you got to keep going back here. And so, I don't know, whatever. Last thing I'm going to say. I went to Alaska with my family like a month ago. Oh, I don't know, three weeks ago, whatever. And we... Got God just, I probably should have put slides in here just to like let y'all see how God showed off on that whole trip because I went with my family and they're not believers. And so I had gone with the, hey, I'm just going to, okay, Lord, whatever you're going to do. But if you choose to show off, that'd be really great. And the number of times they kept saying, this never happens. Like we got to see the Northern Lights. We got to see Mount McKinley. We got to see a rainbow over the ocean. On our, I mean, it's just insane. So the last day we were kayaking and 
we got there and they were like, well, it's been raining ever since before you got here. But, and the tide was, the water was like a ton of water. And they're like, it's blue skies, which you can see. And I was like, this is going to be so awesome. Well, the night before we looked up and we we're supposed to be experienced sea kayakers to go on this little trip. Yeah, I'm not, never kayaked before. And then, so we got there and the guy was like, y'all ready? And we're like, where's everybody else? He's like, oh, it's just three of y'all. And we were like, oh, okay, great. Hey, by the way, we might've oversold ourselves about that experience thing. He's like, what does that mean? I was like, never kayaked, little kayaking, <laughs> like my sister. And he was like, oh, we'll be fine. I was like, okay. So we get there, we get all our stuff on. He was totally laughing at us because I had my iPhone camera. I had my huge camera and a dry bag and I had my waterproof camera. And he's like, okay, here we go. So we got all loaded up in our kayaks and we're going and we went and saw these starfish and all this amazing stuff. And we went around the corner and there's these humpback whales like across the channel. And I was like, hey, bud, could we go over there? And he was like, ah, I mean, we might have to miss the hike and lunch. I'm like, so can we go over there? And he's like, ah, I don't, oh, we got to get you back on your cruise ship, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, just tell me no, or I'm going to keep bugging you. And he was like, we can't. I'm like, okay. So we're around the corner and we see an eagle on a tree. That was amazing. And we keep going. He showed us these houses in this cove where people live in Alaska, which I was like, who does that? And so then you keep going. And I mean, I was like, can I live there? So then we turn this corner and this is our guide's kayak. And whenever we saw those humpback whales over on the corner, I said, hey, if we were to get close to them, would they dump us over? And he said, I mean, they might. And I said, will you be sure and get a photo of that if that were to happen? And he was like, yes. And so we are headed towards those trees. And if you see where that branch is with the little bird on it, that's about 50 feet from us. And there's a blow and a breach of a humpback whale. And I was like, no way. <laughs> so we froze. And I was like, this is so amazing. Amazing. Like, I'm freaking out. Like, this is so... So I have every camera prepared. I'm so ready. So if you look at the next photo, like, I'm so prepared. That's me in the front. Got my camera up. I'm ready. I'm like, come on, buddy. Come back up. And my sister behind me goes, I might be a little freaked out. And I'm like, this is so amazing. And so we're sitting there waiting and waiting. And then I go, hmm, did y'all feel that? And they're like, what? I go, he totally just went under us. And they're like, he did. I'm like, oh, didn't y'all feel this? She moved. And like the wake shifted. And they were like, do you really think? And I was like, uh-huh. And we turn around. I don't have a photo of this, but we turn around and he blows and breaches behind us. And I was like, no way that a humpback whale just swim under us. That was amazing. So like, I'm just like, okay. Y'all, the majority of people who have told that story to you, this is their response. How are you not freaking out scared? And I was like, huh, I don't know. And the second question, this is what they say. Never kayak in Alaska. Like they make themselves a little note. And I'm like, no, no, no. Y'all, that was amazing. Amazing. And so then, pause that for a second. I'm going to show you what happened a week later in California. Sorry, advertisement. I couldn't get rid of that. Okay, so that's a whale right there by that kayak. Just, whoo, okay. And then pay attention on the right. Dude, right? Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're going to show it to you in slow motion to make it even better. He knocked it over. And those people are hilarious. That was so crazy. Are those people still alive? Like, they're totally like, wait, oh my God. Okay, slow-mo. What? Okay, so y'all, 
I sent that to my sister, and this is her response. Be careful what you wish for. My response, I wish that had happened. Can you imagine? Number one, those people caught it on video. Two, that would have been like the story of a lifetime. And here's what I realized. Fear keeps us from experiencing the adventure that God has for us. There's people who wouldn't kayak in Alaska now. They'd be like, out, done, no way. I'm like, okay, that's a little, the kayakers were fine, by the way. There's a picture of them later and they're like breathing, whatever. Okay, <laughs> just want to get, make sure that was clear. Because yes, you know, maybe don't, if it was a shark, maybe that's a bad idea, but whatever. Like, if that's my time to go, video and like party in my funeral, she went out by a humpback whale. That would be so cool. But y'all, there are things that we fear that keep us from experiencing life. People hate sand, so they don't go to the beach. And I'm like, do you know the sunsets that happen at the beach? Like, have you been to the beach? Like, hello? Like, we can't let stuff paralyze us. We can't let that lead our lives because of where it leads. And I put this at the bottom because I kind of wanted it at the top. But all, that's all this is over here. This is just death. And that's life, which I think life's on there. And we got to move ourselves back over there. And if you start to creep away, you got to move back. And you got to get people in your life who will shove you back, drag you back, whatever it takes. Stay there at his feet and let him be who he wants to be in your life. I'm going to pray. I have no idea how long I've gone, Lord, and I'm grateful that you control time and that you are in charge of all this and that you want our hearts. And Lord, I just pray for every woman in this room who. I know could make a list of things they worry about and fear, and I can too, and Lord, just that our hearts would seek to know you, Lord, that we would fear you, that we would know that the God of the universe wants us to draw closer to him, and that we would be in awe that you want to be in relationship with us, and that we would be, just have you in your rightful place, and Lord, that in having you in your rightful place, we will then also be in our rightful place, And Lord, that we would surround ourselves with people who remind us of who you are and that we would stay in your protection, Lord, and not run out to the other things that is just death. And Lord, thank you for your word that just pours all this out for us, that shows us what's true and what we can stand on and rely on and be comforted by. And Lord, that This time here is short, and I pray that each of our lives would bring glory to you and other people would see us and marvel because we rely on you for everything that we need and or that you will provide. You promise that. And so just thank you for your son that allows us to even sit at your feet and that allows all of those things to be available to us. So just thank you for him. And if there is any heart in this room, Lord, that has not surrendered their life to you and accepted your sovereign gift of grace and provision. Lord, I pray that they will talk to somebody and just allow you to be Lord of their lives. Lord, we are grateful. Amen. Okay, uh, tables, we're going to spend about 10 minutes just unpacking what you heard. I would love for y'all just to discuss like, what are some great takeaways you just had from that? Um, what are some things that really just hit you? So table leaders, take about 10 minutes. And then we're going to have some time for some questions for um, our ladies that spoke. So we have a text-in number. I don't know if we have a slide of it, to be real honest. But 
We do? Great. We have a text. Awesome. We have a text in number. And so tables talk through just what you learned today. And if there are any questions that surface at table leaders that um, you want help addressing, text it here. Anybody can do it. And then we'll come back up here in a little bit and answer those unanswered questions. Thanks. Okay, ladies, we're about to wrap up here. Um, I don't know about you, but I walked away with all sorts of notes and super encouraged by that today. Um, I hope you walked, you're walking away feeling nurtured, encouraged, strengthened, and trained um, as we, in biblical truth, I hope you walk away feeling nurtured, encouraged, strengthened, and trained in biblical truth as we fulfill this high calling of mom. Um, yes, I, it's just, it's a high calling that we are to fulfill and um, I think these ladies painted a beautiful picture of 1 Corinthians 11.1 1 that says, follow me as I follow Christ. Um, follow me as I follow Christ. And that is, um, that is what we hope to the nest would provide for you, that you would um, have a clear examples from people that speak and communicate to you, that you would have clear examples of what it looks like to surrender today, surrender fear um, and trust in the Lord and what that would look like and um, what that would look like when we do fully submit and surrender that pitfall to Christ. And so I hope that you are encouraged because I know that I was. Um, next month, again, um, I said earlier, um, next month we are going to reclaim our identity. And I'm really, really excited um, to be able to share with you all just what the Lord has been teaching me about this topic Um we're going to discuss how we're going to, I'm going to share with you just how I fought hard against insecurities, busyness, poor self-esteem and image, um, poor body image, discontentment, comparison, all those things we're going to address. Um, all of these pitfalls wouldn't own us like they do if we understood fully whose we are and who we are. So we're going to reclaim our identity, um, next month as we address those topics. And so I hope that you can join us. Registration will open up, um, Oh, today is Friday. So that means registration will open up a week from Monday. Um, if you have not and you would like have not signed up for the reminder email for that, you can do so. It's been scrolling. Um, it's like watermark.org slash Sunday. Are you back there? Sunday. Watermark.org slash like the Nest e-newsletters. I'm real helpful with that. Don't write that down. Um, there we go. See, there it is. So if you would like a reminder email about when registration is open, make sure you subscribe here. If not, just put it in your head a week from Monday to get on our webpage and sign up. So you ladies are dismissed to go get your precious little ones. Thanks for being here.